I wonder what things tempt you to give up. This week, we've heard from Jurgen Klopp on why he's leaving Liverpool, but I wonder what things tempt you to give up. Uh, Some of us have made some New Year's resolutions 28 days ago. I wonder if you're still going on with them. I decided to go on a diet to lose some holiday weight that I gained from Christmas 2018. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, one of the horrible things about dieting is that all you can think about is food. It's an absolute nightmare. So the last three weeks have been quite torturous for me at times, especially when you work in the church and there's just cake everywhere. But after three weeks of hard work, I weighed myself and I found I've lost three quarters of a pound. Three quarters of a pound. I mean, is, is it worth it? And so I was tempted this week to just give up. Uh, so I researched on the internet to see uh, what items weighed three quarters of a pound so I could understand my Herculean achievement better uh, in all its glory. And, and it's equivalent of three apples, four bananas, or one cup of butter, which is deeply disappointing, isn't it? But after reading that list, I got hungry again. So it's a vicious circle. Now, apparently... There are a few common reasons why 43% of people uh, give up their New Year's resolutions by this time. It's because we go solo, we have too high an expectation, we have no plan and no motivation. And actually, as I looked down that list, I could see some parallels with the the Christian faith, some reasons why we're tempted uh, to give up. It's because we're, we're going solo. We don't have anyone to be accountable to. We have too high an expectation. We think the Christian life is just going to be so easy. We have no plan. We, we don't consider what we're up against with the evil one or how we can grow. And we lack motivation because our focus is not on eternity, but it's on this world where we learned last week is where sin and suffering takes away all those things that we've invested in and therefore robs us of hope and joy and doubts can set in. And what I love about the letter of 1 Peter, which we're going to be looking at, um, is that he doesn't duck the hard bits of loving Jesus in a world that either doesn't care about him or sees him and us as dangerous. And wonderfully, he encourages us to keep going by reminding us that this isn't our home. We're chosen exiles on the road to glory with a triune God who has got us and will never, ever, ever let us go. And Peter's aim in his concluding message in chapter 5 is to make sure that all believers keep on going till they reach their real home. And so the fitting climax to this letter is, is to imprint the pattern of Christ's life and suffering now and glory later on each and every believer so that you and me won't be tempted to give up and that we will stand for him together as we follow Jesus. And the two verses that we're looking at tonight are Peter's closing motivational words to Christians who find themselves pushed out to the margins of society, who are finding the fight with sin difficult and who are tempted to give up. And actually, uh, Dave used this benediction um, this morning to close us. And it says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. He's saying to us, keep going. Keep going. Stand firm in all of God's grace. And that's the summary sentence of these verses. Stand firm in all of God's grace. 
as he provides us with three time frames of God's grace to encourage us to keep on going. God's grace for the past, God's grace for the present, God's grace for the future. And I just want to look at these very briefly uh, together so we can grasp better this God of all grace. And so firstly, the God's grace for us in the past. And we find that in the beginning of verse 10, the grace of all grace who caught, the God of all grace who called you. How do we stand firm in God's grace? Well, we need to first remember his call on our lives in the past. If you trust in Jesus, then you have experienced God's grace in your life. It's something that's already happened to you. And this is earth-shattering thing because it changes absolutely everything about you. In the beginning of the letter, Peter says this in chapter 1, verse 3, In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. For those of us who have been called by God of all grace, we have been given new birth. We've been given a new life. We've been given a new start. We've been given a new identity. God has chosen you. He has chosen me. Isn't that precious? He knows absolutely everything about you and me, all our failings, all the ways you and I have let him down, not just this week, but last month, over our lifetime. And yet he still chooses to forgive you and I. Why? Well, because he is the God of all grace. So firstly, we have God's grace for the past. Secondly, we we have God's grace for the present. How do we keep going? Well, God's grace is the foundation of ongoing perseverance. If we trust in Jesus, the wonderful news is that it isn't just something done in our past, but it's what we experience day to day and even right now. Again, in verse 10, he says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace will restore you and he'll make you strong and firm and steadfast. Peter's looking at the life of the believer and he's seen that the grace flows right through this process of suffering for a little while until we're restored. We experience grace now because the future promise that he makes through Peter that he will strengthen us. And it's a promise that cannot fail to impact into our everyday experiences. Have you ever stopped to consider that? Have I? That every day... You believe in the Lord Jesus is the day God's grace is at work in your life. His grace continues to work in us every day. He doesn't just call us and give us his grace in the beginning and then says, okay, well, good luck. I'll see you at the finish line. No, God runs with us. He's always with us. He keeps us going. And there'll be times when we feel like we're barely holding on to God, and yet all the time, the God of grace is the one that is holding on to you. And I know that some of you here, I need to hear that, because it's a a particular difficult time for you right now, and you're just losing energy. Please, will you look and consider this verse tomorrow morning? You are not alone. He's right there with you in the stress, in the mess, in the anxiety, in the heartache. And it's a promise of strength. It's a promise of presence. It's a promise of grace every day. This God of all grace, who is powerful, will himself restore you. He will be the one whose hands will go to work in our lives, restoring us. He doesn't outsource the work, but personally gets involved in our lives. It's now one of the most glorious promises about a personal God 
who wants to do a personal work in our lives. And earlier we sang the song Amazing Grace, and it says this, Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We can stand firm in God's grace because his grace calls us and it enables us to persevere onto the finish line. But there's more. We not only experience God's grace in the past and God's grace in the present, but also thirdly and finally we experience God's grace for the future. And again in verse 10, it says, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. You see, as grace works in our lives, it calls us not to just have experience of it now, but to experience this grace in the future. We can share this in his eternal glory. And this has to be a consistent message throughout the letter, that your present experiences will correspond with Jesus' past experience. Your future experience will correspond with Jesus' very present experience right now as a risen, ascended Lord in glory. This past reality we have been called to guarantees our future hope. And so no wonder Peter in verse 11 says to him, uh, be the power forever and ever. Amen. Because our arrival at this glorious destination is entirely in his hands. And this is why it's foundation of our hope as believers. He is the God of all grace who pours his grace out to us in our past, in our present and our future. And this is his invitation towards us tonight. Maybe you for the first time, maybe you for the thousandth time. So whatever is tempting you to give up, please don't. Please come and receive his grace so we may all stand firm in all of God's grace together. Let me pray. Thank you, Father, that there's no firmer ground in which we can stand than in your grace. We praise you for this astonishing grace that calls us yours that strengthens us to keep going forward until a day when we will see Jesus face to face and where we will enjoy your grace forever. Lord, strengthen those who are finding life difficult. Help them to know that you are with them and help them to feel your restoring power as you help them to stand firm. And for those here who don't know you, will you help them to see that they can't outsin your grace, that your hand is out towards them with this precious gift. Give them courage and humility to take it. We ask all these things for your glory and in the name of the precious Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.